Welcome into the 11 Dubcast presented by the Dragon Sword, 11warriors.com. I am Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on the other end, and it's tournament week, buddy. I mean, <laughs> you got to be so excited to get to MSG and, uh, you know, try and find a way to get a hotel for under $1,000 in Manhattan and, uh, you know, easy flights to New York and, you know, Uber and real expensive <laughs> food and, you know, it's a, you know. So yeah, well, this you know, they, what, what they have, they had like one thousand people show up for the game and, and <laughs> against Minnesota. That was sweet. Yeah. You can replicate. I saw Delaney over the weekend. Like, go, oh, you know, we I probably wouldn't have condensed the schedule. Yeah, it wasn't good for our team. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. right? You're kidding me? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. What's the real shame in this is that Indianapolis is the place. It's mm-hmm. the only place. There's no reason to take it to Chicago. There's no reason to take it to DC or MSG. Certainly, there are those two places because no one's going to go. It's Indianapolis. It's it's a decent. It's a it's kind of a fair shot for everybody. Indiana has a little home court. Big deal. They're never very good anyway. Um, but the town is perfectly equipped for the Big Ten. There's great hotels. A huge range in prices in the hotels. If you want a big baller, you can stay at the Conrad or the JW Marriott, and there's options all around. You can go and and eat some of the best food you've ever had in your life in Indianapolis, and you can eat on a budget in Indianapolis. And the facility is walking distance from all of it, and it's the best basketball facility, with all due respect to MSG, in America because it was built for basketball and only basketball. And so, like, you know, I mean, next year I think it's in Chicago, which Chicago's fine, but the United Center's in the middle of nowhere. It's just, it's indie. Like, that's your place. Embrace it embrace what you are and embrace Indianapolis instead yeah. MSG. And I can't imagine, I mean, it's a, t- can you imagine hotels in Manhattan oh, screw on that. Friday no. and Saturday no. night? Like you're if you're a Airbnb fan, you were it. thinking about going. Yeah. It, you're gonna have to Airbnb. You're gonna have to be in like Brooklyn or Queens or something. And then take, you know, an hour and a half on the subway to get where you want to go. It's just, it's a huge pain in the butt. I, I get why they're doing it. They want this whole prestige thing, but honestly, make it equidistant to everybody. Put it in Indianapolis. Put it in a state that loves basketball, and just stick with it. Like I don't know, I don't w- see why there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a really cool venue the way they do it. People have enjoyed going there in the past. Um, you know, it's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense aside from the whole, you know, I guess the optics of it. But even that's not going to be really it, that great. You you can't play the tournament in a city that doesn't even know you're there. Right. <laughs> you're That's playing like your marquee basketball event yeah. in a city that could not give two cents of one shite that you're there. <laughs> I mean, it just don't. They don't care. This will not be in the New York Times. This will not be in the New York Post or the New York Daily News. It will not be on local television. It will not be trending in Manhattan. You don't think Jay-Z be. is going to show up with Beyonce? No, I don't. That's- no. I don't. It's a pro town with a million entertainment options. Indianapolis shuts down for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Everything's about the Big Ten tournament. Manhattan? God. What a, <laughs> so anyway, so that's what we got to look forward to. And it's, well, but we'll get a little bit more to that in a second. We'll get to the, to the matchups and what it's going to be. And it's, it's going to be an interesting Friday night, to say the least. Um, in the lead up to this, we know now, as as you and I record this, that Michigan State has won the Big Ten. Right. 
um, than Ohio State two weeks ago with a one-game lead in the league, and you felt like there was a pretty good chance they were going to share it. I think you and I talked about this. I know we talked about it on the television show. The thinking was that they wouldn't win the league outright, but they would share it. Um, instead, the two losses came at Penn State and at Michigan, and they win the two games last week, and now they sit um, a game behind Michigan State. And so despite beating Michigan State head-to-head, they don't even have the tie break or anything involved because they have the record's not there. So they're the two-seed. Michigan State is probably a rightful Big Ten champion. They're a team that can win the national championship, and so they win the league. Ohio State's a two-seed. What we did get this week, though, so while that's kind of the melancholy of it is that you don't get a split of the Big Ten championship for as magical a season as this was, you do get really one of the most gratifying yet bizarre basketball games. (laughs) I think I paid attention. The Indiana game. Um, From the standpoint of, it was so weird to me to calibrate a Friday night. Did you have that problem? Like, could you, like, I had forgot it was on. Yeah. Because on a Friday, I mean, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. That's the way it goes in the Big Ten, right? Right. And so for Ohio State to play on a Friday night, like on FS1, it was just the strangest damn scheduling. I, you know, I know that, you know, it's a TV partners and you satisfy. But it, I, I had forgot it was on until the second half. Well, no, I mean, it, it kind of felt like one of these like Twilight Zone things where you're like, oh, crap, are they, this is, is this a repeat? Are they showing like Ohio State classics yeah. or something? Like it just, it felt weird because it was so different from what you had seen and pretty much every game leading up to it. And yeah, it, it, it just fell off. It felt strange. There was some kind of Twilight yeah. Zone feel to it. And it was just, it was odd. Um, the outcome yeah, was, was great and it was an incredibly yeah. exciting game. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just it felt about, like one of the more unlikely heroes. I mean, you think about like towards the end, I don't even remember the overtime because it was late and I'd, I'd had a pop or two, but I remember like it goes off of Dockage's hands, the yeah. turnover, and he's like, <laughs> oh my God, like it's his dad's place. And, you know, he's hearing it. <laughs> right. He's been hearing it about from Indiana for years. And now that, you know, he kind of isn't responsible for the turnover. And then CJ just bails him out, you know, with this three at the buzzer that's just so heart wrenching for Indiana on their senior day. And, you know, there's nobody we like to beat more than Indiana, I don't think, in basketball. Certainly now that Bo Ryan's gone at Wisconsin, I would think Indiana's at the top of the list. And um, so it, it was great. It was it was fun, and it was a it was an interesting, like, end to year one, Holtman versus Archie. Because that they will those two are going to walk step and step for as long as they're at their respective schools. Because many believed for the longest time that Thad Mata would be replaced by Archie Miller and Archie would be the only replacement for Thad Mata. Right. And that was, that was it. I mean, we all knew it. He was offered other jobs and said no to stay at Dayton. And the thinking was always, well, he's going to replace Thad. And we knew it. I mean, that was, that was preordained. And then he got impatient and Indiana came available and you can't blame him. It's a great job. And it came available and he took it. And then two months later, Thad's gone and Ohio state goes with Holtman. If they had made the move on Thad in March, Archie Miller would have been the head coach at Ohio State. And I don't know if the season would have been different. And this is not indicative of how the rivalry is going to go. I mean, that'll be determined about who can recruit the Midwest and who can't. But um, this was an interesting year one because I don't know that anybody would have ever thought that the advantage would be so dramatically Holtman in year one of Archie versus Holtman. Well, no, and especially not with the expectations that a lot of people had with Ohio State. And I, I think 
What's interesting about this game to me, first of all, I think Archie wanted it bad. Like, I, I yes. really, really think he wanted this game. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, it's such a prestige thing. And it's what you talked about, right? Like, this is going to be the, we know that these are going to be kind of the two top dogs in terms of recruiting. I mean, you, of course, you've got, you know, Purdue and, and Michigan State. But in terms of like Ohio and Indiana, I think you're going to have some, some pretty epic recruiting battles between Archie and uh, Chris Holtman. Uh, yep. So I think this is a big deal in a lot of ways. Um, I also thought it was interesting because you saw, some of the best and the worst of both teams overall. I mean, Indiana is not, I think a great basketball team right now, but you can kind of tell no. they have a lot. They, they disperse what they have. They, they're trying to build something. They're trying to figure some stuff out. Um, yeah. You can tell that Archie Miller is trying to develop something uh, in terms of a style. Uh, and you can see with Ohio state, they've got a lot of talent and then four points from the bench. And so that's to me, it was really interesting to watch that play out. Of course it went, goes in overtimes multiple and uh it was it was right. thrilling i mean the last if you know if you look at the they do that whole uh you know like summary of the game where they show how it's going back and forth and the last like 10 minutes of of the actual entire game was just i mean non-stop guys hitting back and forth back and forth back and forth and it was it was a really fun game to watch i i enjoyed it i what i what i was seeing i liked and of course the outcome to me i think was a big makeup for the penn state game so that was pretty sweet too yes yeah yeah it was it, it did feel like a, a make good for that you bring up penn state and that's where we'll go next because ohio state's the two seed in the big 10 tournament they play friday night at madison square garden for <laughs> right. eight people and they will play the winner of penn state northwestern Mm-hmm. And this is bad. I mean, this is bad yeah. on all fronts <laughs> because um, Northwestern could be a problem. I, they've been wildly inconsistent and wildly underachieved and didn't know how to handle success. But there's talent there. And I think Collins is a pretty decent coach. And we certainly know that Penn State's basically kryptonite. So this could be, I would not at all be surprised. And if, if I were to give you a lean right now as we do this, I think it's very I think it's more likely than not, not very likely, but more likely than not that Ohio State's Big Ten run is over on Friday. I hate the matchup with Penn State. I don't think it's something that can be fixed by a new arena or anything. I mean, I just think it's fundamentally they're just they're a team that's going to give Ohio State problems because of their guard play. And Ohio State just doesn't have the answers for that. So if and Penn State's going to be playing for their NCAA tournament lives, like they need to run into this thing. They need to go to the Big Ten title game. And so they're going to be ultimately inspired. If they can get through Northwestern, that's a, you know, that's, I'm not optimistic for Friday night. Yeah. I mean, well, Penn State, I mean, they, they looked not great against Nebraska today. I mean, we're recording this on Sunday. They were pretty much, I don't think they ever had a lead in the entire game. Um, And yet you're right. They can come out with their guards and just shoot the lights out of the ball sometimes. And it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, I mean, again, I don't think it's so much that top to bottom Penn State is that much better than Ohio State, but it's just it's just a bad matchup for Ohio yeah, State. What they have, and that's okay. That yeah, I mean, you're gonna get that. Like, they you're have gonna... things that we don't have, and right? So, yeah, it's just <laughs> sometimes those things happen. I kind of, I mean, honestly, I want the opportunity. I want to see Ohio State be able to beat Penn State once this right, season yeah. but on the other hand i don't want to see them lose three times either so you would if you want to if you have to play penn state you would ideally want to play them maybe two or three games into the tournament um yeah. so yeah it's it's a weird draw uh it, you know it is what it is because of how they they figure that stuff out i don't think penn state's going to lose, Nor- lose northwestern uh right now i think they're they're losing uh to iowa i believe by a pretty significant margin so yeah i don't know it's it's just one of those things and 
ultimately, I'm more curious, I think, to see how this is all going to play out in March Madness and where they get seated for that. Yeah. To be honest, the way I think people are looking at Ohio State is are right now, like, I don't think that uh, anything short of winning the Big Ten tournament is going to affect their seating all that much. In all honesty, I think no, people I think kind of, probably right. Yeah, because I think because I think people saw the losses against, you know, Penn State and Michigan and they were like, you know what, that's that's it for them. We're not this is not a top four, you know, seeded no. team. and I don't think they're going to change their mind on that unless they they go all the way through the tournament. I think if they play for the Big Ten championship, they could be a four seed. Yeah. And I think I think they could be anywhere between a four and a seven. Um I, you know, and really what it matters more than the seating is the matchup and the location. Where do you play? Oh, yeah. You know, that's what's it. And, you know, we'll know that next week when we do this, you know, the seating will be out. You'll know where they're at and you'll see, you know, what the likelihood of advancing is. And if it's, you know, this is a team that can get out of the first weekend. I mean, that's that's kind of where you're at. I, I agree with you 100 percent, though. I don't think that there's anything that can happen short of winning the Big Ten, like beating Purdue, beating Michigan State. And, you know, beating Purdue Saturday, beating Michigan State Sunday, winning the Big Ten Tournament Championship. And, boy, you think about the road that that would take. But that would be, you know, short of that, I think, I think short of that, you're not going to be playing in Pittsburgh. And really, that's all that matters. Like, you know, if you could be the three seed and play at a Pittsburgh. But short of that, I I think you're I think you're right. I think you're somewhere between a four and a seven. And, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I. Not optimistic about how we'll be received in Manhattan with as the Big Ten basketball <laughs> tournament rolls into town. I, I tend to think that that's not going to be the greatest. Um, still to come, we do ask us anything. And Johnny, I have my I've been solicited for the first time for an ask us anything. It's never oh, happened good. before. Fantastic. So I have one of those. So I know we have those. Normally I tease that, and I don't know if you have it or not. I assume you do. We hope we roll the dice. I have faith in our. I list. actually have one. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I usually do too. So we're pretty good. Uh, so we have that to to get to. Uh, but coming up next. We will be joined by one of my favorites, George Reese. He will join us. He's got an excellent sneaker collection. He likes bourbon and loves the wire. So he's a good, he's, he's right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so George Reese will join us next. Before we do that, though, we do encourage you to visit the 11 Warriors Dry Goods shop for shirts, hats, stickers, all sorts of good stuff. It's drygoods.11warriors.com. All right, welcome back into the 11 Dubcast, joined by an old friend, a good friend, George Reese, one of the greats for Ohio State and uh, played on those great teams with Scooney and, and Mike Red and uh, got to some Final Fours and and made a lot of magic. And I made a lot of TV magic with this dude, man. This guy was on with me about every Saturday for about three or four years when I was at Channel 10. So it's great to have Reese on. Let's jump. I, I, before I get into the Ohio State, I, I think we I think we crossed the Rubicon a little bit, Reese, uh, okay. last week with this NCAA stuff because – I, I I equate it to ster- the steroids in baseball in the in the '90s. It got too big to ignore. When uh-huh. when Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs and Roger Clemens was winning 22 games at 44, and it just got too big. You know, we we had then at that point baseball said, "Wait a sec, this just isn't right." And and to me, what happened this past week in college basketball, and I love college basketball. There's nothing I've enjoyed more in my life than March Madness. Nothing. It's the best sporting event that I've enjoyed most in my life. But when Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State are all mentioned off of one dude's phone, this one dude and what agent, they're the Mount Rushmore, man. Like, <laughs> if the, you know what I mean? Like, if there are, you can't, either you're going to have to fire Calipari, Williams, Shashesky, Self, and put them all on probation, and that's just the start. Like, do you feel like that we're headed for like a major change in the way that college basketball is done? Um, no, 
Uh, I, do, I, do I think they're going to be a major change in the way college basketball is done? No. Is there some major changes maybe to, you know, prospective coaches and assistant coaches and graduate assistants at these programs? Yes. The NCAA will continue business as usual, and like you said, it's oh. going to continue to operate like they didn't know this problem existed, and now <laughs> they're using the scapegoat saying the FBI, oh, yeah, the FBI has – availability to do wiretaps and all these different things. We never had that. So we didn't know this problem was as big as it was. Like, this is a joke, man. It's a joke. The NCAA knows what's going on, but like you said, as long as they can control it. But unfortunately, the FBI got involved and was able to pull these records. And, you know, like you said, some big-time names, the Mount Rushmore of college basketball, and now they can't ignore it. But nothing really will change, except maybe, you know, some coaches will lose their jobs. I mean, I just don't know how – I guess you just stick your head in the sand and just wait for it to go by. I, they've done it for so long that way. Um, but the money is so big. I mean, like Sean Miller, I mean, the Sean Miller stuff saying, deal with me about the hundred grand. I said, like on my radio show, I said, he hadn't seen the wire. Like Strayer Bell had those guys using, <laughs> using those, uh, the burner phones by season four. <laughs> Hey, some of the Greek, he, he, he didn't get the text from the Greek. The Greek said, do not talk on phones. He should not have been <laughs> talking right. on phones, man. <laughs> but, like, right. I, I think it's the funny thing about this, like you said, it's not going to change as far as the NCAA or the college basketball landscape, but they're really the part of the problem. And, like, this problem is never going to go away because, you know, this agent will probably be, you know, put on blast and put on front street and people won't deal with him. But there's other agents who are just going to switch up, you know, the way they do business, similar to the wire. When something happens, They'll switch up the routes. They'll, they'll change everything they're yeah. doing because there's family and these kids that feel like they should be getting some type of money, and they're being recruited as if they're professionals with the one-and-done rule. I think the one-and-done rule kind of made it worse to where kids are like, you know what, I'm going to yeah. go to school for six to eight months, and then I'm going to go play professionally. So in that time being, who wants to pay me to use my services for six to eight months? And so, like I said, it's, it's just not a surprise to me. Well, tell you what, can I ask both of you guys this? I, w- I want to get both of your opinion on it because this is something that we were going to talk a little, a little bit about. But I'm, I want to see what your perspective is. Uh, does this matter? Do you think people are going to care about this beyond the NCAA and the FBI? Do you think this is like the average fan is sitting here going like, "Oh man, I'm really pissed that Sean Miller is like making a hundred thousand dollar deals to make his team better." I just, I don't see this as something that is going to rile people up anymore. When you see all the other scandals that have been going on in other sports that are hundreds of thousands of times worse than this. I don't see how this affects the individual who watches this sport. I don't think they care anymore. I, I think it's. I think people have moved past that. I think. I think it will affect like the normal fan because I think a lot of them are delusional to think that the <laughs> NCAA stands for you know amateurism when yeah. it doesn't. So a lot of them like you heard about the the fans calling Miles Bridges a cheater right. at the game right. today when he's at the free throw line. This kid turned down millions of dollars to come back to school. And they have the nerve to call him a cheater over allegedly right. taking four hundred dollars for a dinner. So like there's right. actually people, students, you know, grandmas and grandpas who actually think these kids should not be getting paid. They're getting paid in the education and the NCAA is not making billions and billions of dollars off of them. Like it, it's just it's laughable. It's laughable to me. I think, Johnny, I think the people who are fans of college basketball treat it the same way that I treat steroids in baseball. Like mm-hmm. I don't care about it anymore. Like, put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Like, I just assume if you played between 1992 and 2002, you cheated in some way. Either, you know, some guys' heads got three times bigger. Some guys use it so they could get off the DL quicker. I just assume they all did it. And really, baseball, there was no penalty in baseball for it for much of that time. It wasn't even against the rules of baseball. So, um, you know, and that's how I feel about this. Look, 
I've covered big time college athletics pretty closely for almost 20 years now at this point, which is tells you how damn old I've gotten. But the, the reality is, is that this happens everywhere. And what I tell people is people will say, Oh, this wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen. You know, at Ohio state, this wouldn't happen at Penn state. Oh, no, whoa, whoa. Don't start. Don't start throwing stones at glass houses, coach, because this is the business. Anytime that you have free labor and it's free labor and you can talk to me about the, the scholarship or the food or the tutors or whatever, right? it's free in comparison to the amount of money that is brought in. The NCAA in the last 22 years off of just March Madness mm. has made $19 billion with a B. That's just March Madness. That's not the regular season TV packages. That's not football. That's not Big Ten Network. That's March Madness. And the majority of that money's come in the last 10 years. So, but I, I, me and my, some of my buddies, we joke around like for some of the universities or these college programs, how bad it is. If they get caught, we feel like they, they're a track, like they haven't evolved, you know, because <laughs> yeah, you hear the stories of somehow these universities, how some of these universities now are masking how they're paying the players. It's like they, they're really, they're really far advanced, some of these universities. Yeah. So when you hear about the shoe stuff and, Guys in Auburn were texting saying, hey, we're going to get you the clothes. You're sitting back like, wow, like this is so outdated, and then you wonder why you get caught. So it's going to continue to evolve, and they're going to continue to have a problem as long as they, like you said, as long as they keep making money off the backs of these kids. And the thing that's amazing about it, and I've talk, we talked about this with Mark Titus a couple of weeks ago, but like Mike Krzyzewski's doing this. <laughs> like Reese, he's got it. He's got it. His reputation, he didn't need to be oh getting the three best players in the country. <laughs> like what is he doing? He doesn't need oh, Zion man. Williamson at Duke. Like his re- reputation, I, he he's the best coach probably in the history of college basketball. And now, like the last four or five years, he's trying to out he's out Calipari Calipari at Duke. It's crazy. Yeah. Calipari's like, man, I thought I had I thought I had it rigged up with World Wide West. Now right. <laughs> these other universities have figured it out. So it's gotta be Duke. another World Wide West walking around somewhere. There's gotta it's wild. So let's 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 move on to this Buckeye team, which has been a joy okay. to watch, frankly, all year. I mean, it's been fun. Um, they've been fun to watch. Uh, they finish up as a two seed. You know, I I look at the matchup and I think, good lord, Penn State again on Friday. I'm not. Yeah. I don't know if I, you know. It's just a bad matchup for them. Um, but what's this season ride like been been for you? Um, it's been somewhat surprising. I thought they were going to be a middle of the pack team because, like we've talked about before. Like, the cover wasn't bare. You still had some good returners there. You had Jay Sean Tate. I mean, you know, we thought Cam was actually going to come off the bench and, you know, score some points. Some decent freshmen coming in. C.J. Jackson was primed to have a good year. And then, you know, with Cater coming off an injury, we always felt with his versatility and his length that he was going to be able to cause some problems for opposing defenses. But never in my, you know, never I imagined them being, you know, fighting for the Big Ten championship at this point in the season. So it's just one of those teams. Like you hear some writers try to compare this team you know, to the 99 team with, you know, Scooney, Mike, and myself, where coming off a bad year, nasty taste in your mouth, and everybody as a collective, you know, the culture was like, we just want to prove a point and show everyone we're not as bad as we were last year. And I think everything, all the ingredients came together. As they say, you know, you marry with the sauce. Everything married this year, and that's why you see them come together this year. So what do you think Holtman's doing this year that's that's so much better than, you know, maybe what people thought they were going to be That's that's allowing them to get to that level? I saw that after the first few games. They play. They were playing hard. I yeah. mean, that's the first thing I noticed. I was like, man, them boys playing hard. <laughs> that was the first thing I saw. Like, and then when you have guys, everybody's playing hard. Or you got like, 
nine or ten Jay Sean Tate <laughs> type efforts out there on the floor, mm-hmm. man, you're going to be in games unless you just get out. You know, some teams are just going to be more talented, but. 90% of your games you're going to be in, and I think the talent, like you said, having Kata kind of put him over the edge. And, you know, a guy like C.J. Jackson, I mean, look at the year he's having. He's basically almost right. tripled his point total. And one brilliant thing I think you got to give credit to Coach Holtman is having a guy like Jay Shante, he was your senior leader, and he handled the ball more. He's basically like backup point guard, and I got mm-hmm. C.J. off the ball a lot this year. When, you know, I think if we finally realize that, you know, C.J.'s really not your prototype, prototypical point guard. He's like, you know what, I'm a shot maker, as we saw like in Bloomington. He's a shot maker, and he wants to shoot the three-pointer. So getting him off the ball helped his point production and gave them a, you know, a, third, a third snake or a third head of the snake, if you, if you will. Have you been – I don't know. I've been as, I've, I'm as happy for Jay Sean Tate having this year as any Buckeye basketball player that I, mm-hmm. you know, in the 10 years I was around the program because I always felt that the teams he played on up until this year – did not deserve his effort, you know, like yep. his teammates, like his effort yep. was always so much bigger than the guys he was playing with who were like older than him or supposed to be the leaders. And he just like, he just played his ass off for four years at Ohio state. And he mm-hmm. kind of gets this legacy changing year. And I was watching him on senior night and I love that Holtman, like, you know, he took him out one by one. So everybody got the ovation and he let Jay Sean get it last. And, and I just thought like, wow, like that kid of all the kids. And I've known him since he was, God, I don't know, fifth grader, something like that. He's been, you know, Columbus legend forever. Everybody knew who he was. And, um, I'm just curious your view of him. Cause I know you've known him forever too. Um, I had him in what we call like a next level camp that they used to have around Columbus when he was like fourth or fifth grade. Yeah, I used to call him Chris Weber. Because he was always big, he was big boned, and you know, football player aggression that he had, you could tell that he was, you know, going to be good. I thought he was going to be better than his father. You know, I play with his father now in some leagues too. But like you said, it's just karma, man. You hit it right on the nose. It's just karma for Jay Sean because the way he played, the way he sacrificed his body. I mean, he got surgery on his shoulder, probably on his toes. Everything about this guy's body, man. He's a guy that's in, the, you know, the ice bath after every game, but. And, you know, we didn't talk about this, too. Everything went this year with Coach Holtman, Kata. You know, they trimmed the fat. You got some guys that, like yeah. you said, was, yeah. was, was wasting his effort last year, you know, getting arguments with the coaching staff last year, and they got rid of those guys, too. So that definitely helps, you know, clear, that, clear the air and have a better culture for the next year, man. But storybook senior year for Jay Sean, and I, it couldn't happen to a better kid. You know, he always comes to my events and, you know, plays with the kids. So I've been knowing this kid forever, and you always mm-hmm. love stories like this in college basketball. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite parts about the team just in general is just learning more about the guys and then seeing, you know, especially with like Kata not being able to play very much last year and come back. That's I got the opportunity to speak very briefly with uh, Coach Holman earlier this year before the season started. And I think, you know, one of the things that I was talking about was like, I I think Ohio State fans just want to have these stories. They just want to know these guys. And Tate obviously is a great example of that, especially, I mean, you see him playing, you see like the scars on his shoulders and stuff. And you're like, man, this dude's like, he's, he's really like sacrificed for the team. And it's cool to see, it's cool to see that overall kind of play out and especially with a successful season i mean i don't i don't know how you feel about how they're going to do in like the big 10 tournament the ncaa tournament but honestly to me everything else past this point's like gravy like I'm, i've enjoyed this season a lot uh the big you know big 10 tournament definitely penn state scares me but third time's a charm <laughs> you know you, yeah. and that's what's kind of making me you know take a you know breath a sigh of relief right now like i don't see them beating them three times especially if you look at you know how they played them at home on a neutral floor and then 
I think that at, at Penn State game was just like, you know, you could tell they were nervous and scared, like this team does cause us problems. But, I mean, yeah, like I said, Jay Sean is just – like I said, I feel like I'm a, um, I'm a distant cousin. <laughs> We're not even blood, but I feel like I'm a distant cousin because I got the pleasure of seeing him middle school, high school, you know, state champion at Pickerton with a lot of other guys there, and then go to that level and, like you said, have those three years, the way he played and how hard he played basically was not enough. It wasn't enough. And, I, you know, even from a professional, you know, playing after after college, like you always looked at it like, man, like if he actually get healthy, I think he can help himself be a, a pro basketball player because he's the guy that playing professionally, like coaches love because he's going to play hard. He can guard one through four, and he has the mm-hmm. IQ. And I think him playing like backup point guard this year is definitely going to help his stock as far as the next level, man. But hopefully this season is not not yet over. And just like college basketball this year, what was the record, Bo? Like I think it was a stat. It was like 45 games where top 10 teams have lost. Like you've seen the most upsets of top 10 I'm- teams. Yeah, I've never, this year. I've never sat here, Reese, going into a March. Like, typically going into March, I could tell you, you know, when you watch a college basketball year, and my guess is you feel the same. You give me 10 teams, and one of yes. these 10 teams, I will bet my house wins the national championship. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, you could do that. Yes. You could say. Yes. I mean, for 20 years, I could do that. I'd say, it's going to be one of these 10, you know? I mean, you, you just knew kind of who it was. And I, I look at it this year, man. You couldn't give me 25 and I wouldn't feel good. I mean, <laughs> I don't – I think there's like 30 teams who could win it. I, You know, like Virginia's going to be the number one overall seed, but they are they always have a – they're really not a good tournament team because they can't keep up scoring-wise, and usually that doesn't translate to the tournament. Like, they're not a team that can score points in the tournament. So, I, you know, you look at who's at the top. I look at Michigan State. I go, yeah, they look like they have everything, but, yeah. you know, is Izzo going to put it together? It, it's – I've never in my life seen a, a season like this where I just don't have a clue. I mean, I really don't. Do you feel that way? Like there's like 25 teams who could win a title? Yeah, I don't have I don't have I don't have a clue who's going to win. I think sometimes hopefully like the you know, you want I don't like superstars if you want if you will, not just first round draft picks. Maybe these superstar players in college basketball can carry a team. But yeah. outside of that it's just like yeah, I mean, I'm guessing like wow, like teams look totally different one game to the next. Michigan State oh. was, you know, the favorite to win college basketball, run through it, and then they look like a deer in headlights in the Schottenstein Center against Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the size, how they outmanned Ohio State, and then the way they played, it's just like it's every team has a, a alter ego that they yeah. get smacked and lose in the second round and not even make it to the Sweet 16. So this, you know, these tournament brackets this year are definitely going to be <laughs> definitely going to be interesting, oh. man. You going you going to have somebody that doesn't even watch college basketball put his uh, tournament bracket in and win. Yeah, that's right. And it wouldn't, you're not going to be shocked because it's just wide open. Wide right. Open. Uh, George, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you know, you kind of talked about the, the work you've been doing with camps and whatnot. You also do a lot of charity work. Uh, and we want to, you know, maybe ask you about your always with us charities and some of the other things that you got going on with that. Well, always with us charities, man. You know, thanks for asking. It's just basically about some uh, some family members, my mother, my father, my nephew, who always had a legacy of giving back, you know, whether it's family, the community, and that legacy is always with us. So we have programs here in uh, central Ohio right now that are growing. We have after-school program called the ACE program that we're doing in Groveport Schools. And then my Cap City Clinics, who Bo may be um, familiar with, you know, we're mm-hmm. doing the work for the TV during the summer where it's a health and wellness event where we have free diagnostic screenings, blood pressure, all these different things available free to the community. And then, you know, the, the draw is the basketball instruction. 
which is usually headed by some of the better trainers in all of Columbus, all the state of Ohio, and Buckeye Nation comes back, all the local guys, Jay Sean, who we talked about, Kata and Cam, were like, you know, they're usually regulars there. So these things are growing, man, and this has always been uh, um, always been a, a, a vision of mine after I got through playing, like this is my city, I want to do whatever I can to help back, and you never know how it comes about until, you know, you lose a loved one to some preventable, you know, diseases and things that all of us probably deal with in our family. So I'm doing my, I'm doing my best here to raise awareness and raise health and wellness, and, uh, you know, and it's definitely growing, so it's definitely a pleasure to make that happen. Reese Check us out, man, on awcharities.org. That's awcharities.org. George is one of the guys, Johnny, um, I mean, this dude just puts his money where his mouth is. Like, there's just no BS with him. He's just a good citizen. He's a role model for young kids. Um, he's just, he's a good dude. And I, I knew him for a long time. And um, I, I'm, it was great having you on, buddy. And, and I vouch for you at any time. You know that. And um, it was a pleasure and good luck to you. And uh, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what, if I ever get my hands on some Pappy Van Winkle again, I'll make sure Call you get me. a taste. Yes, sir. Call me. I'll make sure you get a taste. <laughs> I promise you. Guys, yeah, I appreciate it, man. 11 Warriors, man. I definitely see, uh, see your work out here. And I'm definitely, uh, you know, pleasure to be, be on the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. All right. All right, and don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, time for the final segment of the show. It's Ask Us Anything. Johnny always has a litany of Ask Us Anything. Alvin always is is very reliable. I got one today. So I got one this week. Like, it was rare. I've never got one before, but I got one on uh, on Twitter. Correct to me on Twitter um, from Suncard19. All right. It is a question specifically for me because you are not blessed yet to have the children. But he asks in a, with a hashtag, ask us anything. What's the biggest difference between having two kids and having three? Just everything. Just everything. <laughs> Just with two kids, you can have a certain type of car. And with three kids, you have to get a different type of car. Yeah. So think about that. I mean, that's the reality. You go from playing zone to playing man. Um, or from from man to playing zone defense. So now I take my two older kids, my wife takes the baby and I say baby's two and a half, but he'll always be, um, it, it is the biggest one to two kids was pretty seamless. Two to three is, is as big of a life change as you can make. I mean, I can't express enough the difference between two to three. I just can't even. It's so you don't have enough hands to deal with it. I mean, like even things like that you don't think of, like we're going out west for spring break, like we always do, and like airplane seats, right? So there's right. there's two and two, or there's four. There's never five. <laughs> so how do I do the seats? Right? That's so a good point. In a rental car, now I gotta get I gotta get the full size SUV rental car because I have to have three car seat anchors instead oh, of man. two. So instead of getting, I mean, I could have got, it, it probably cost me an extra $300,000 a year to have the third kid. That's this my is a, rough guess. You know what? This is good though. I'm glad you're telling me this because this is not stuff that I had yet considered. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad we have this question. It's, it's unbelievable. It's the biggest, it's the biggest game changer of all time. I love, I mean, I love my dudes, all of them, but I'm telling you two to three, forget it. <laughs> I feel like that's going from like a prestige drama with two kids to like a wacky slapstick comedy with three. Like you can't really avoid you it. Like it just <laughs> no with with three. Mine are all under six. Right. So it's they're six, four, and two. I mean, it's you're surfing on a rainbow. I mean, you're just trying <laughs> not to fall. You don't even know what in the hell's going on half the time. You have yeah. no idea what's going on. 
Well, I mean, just last Friday, last Friday, my two-year-old at 3.42 in the morning comes down our stairs, slaps me in the face at 3.42 in the morning, and starts running in our house. <laughs> he is He thinks it's hide-and-go-seek time at 3.42 in the morning. Yeah, that sounds about That's right. Reality. That's reality. That's what happens from, from well, two to three. That's and that is good advice and good information, I think, for anybody yeah. who no. is who is gonna undergo that that transformation. Yeah. Think long and hard. <laughs> um yeah, well, speaking, you know, we I you know, I don't I don't really have any experience with that. I don't have any children right. of my own. Um I, I have part time children that I get to wave goodbye to at the end of the day and then kind right. of go home and, and you know, pet my dog and stuff. Um so maybe one day I'll be able to I'll you know, have the, the, the war stories that you do, but, uh, yeah, yeah, for right now, I think I'll just kind of observe from afar. (laughs) Uh, uh, the next one here, we, you know, you mentioned Alvin, we've got another Alvin question. So I already have that, man. And I gotta tell you something. I think we, we may have touched on this a little bit by accident earlier on in the podcast, but he wants to know what is the worst type of team that could give Ohio state an early exit in the big dance guards. Yeah, there you go. It's, uh, you know, somehow, I mean, you know, any senior veteran guard team that's got a good lead guard and a good two good shooters, that's the problem. I mean, if it's, you know, you can, you know, the top level teams, right? Obviously, like, you know, your Kansas's, your Villanova's with Brunson and Devontae Graham are going to be a huge problem. But, um, you know, that there, there's going to be some, you know, if they're a seven and they're playing a 10 and it's a 10 that's got, you know, a senior guard who's all league, that mm-hmm. would scare me. Yeah, That's I'm good. more honestly like I'm more worried about some of the lower seeded teams that just have the guys who just pop threes and then you know try to score yeah. points that way. Then That's their kryptonite. That's like, well, we'll play inside and outside. No, I, I think Ohio State can handle that. But if you've got a team that gets hot from three, that could cause them some issues. So I'm a little yeah. bit worried about that. Uh, if one of those scrappy mid majors. Uh, okay, this one's from Ryan. Uh, he's got a, a series of questions here, and and we'll. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to combine. Uh, maybe the last two, but let's start off with this first one here. He wants to know, uh, what's the best way to get rid of a hangover? The best way to get rid of a hangover is to prevent it before it starts. So if you, if you drink heavily, be cognizant enough to take, to be able to have, to always, first of all, always have Pedialyte was the number one choice is yeah. Pedialyte. But if you can't have Pedialyte, then Gatorade. So always, I always do the, the two uh, Advil and then like pound a Gatorade or, a, or Pedialyte before if i know it's coming and then once it's coming you know my hangover cure always was this and i never order this and i haven't been hungover in a very long time because i have kids Mm -hmm. and so it's just not not in play but when i used to this was the order i would go to kfc and i would get the the big mountain dew and i would get the chicken fingers and the mashed potatoes and two gravies nice and for whatever reason that mix got me going i never got sick <laughs> off of it i never you know that was it i was that was that was my go-to was the kfc mountain dew and i don't drink mountain dew ever and i don't go to kfc and haven't for a decade but when i was when i used to get hangovers that's that was the order every time and it seemed to work yeah i never really had a go-to anything i mean i you know I, when I was in college and a little bit younger, I would do that. Now I kind of practice the Abraham Lincoln method of just not drinking in general. But, um, you know, I'll have a beer or two. But last time I remember I really needed a solution to my problems in the morning uh, was when I was still living in Japan. And we had spent 
me and my buddies had spent the entire night playing Mega Man and drinking like a liter of, of whiskey or something like that. Just something stupid. And I just remember waking up after like two hours of sleep and making a beeline for McDonald's. And I think we spent maybe three hours in that McDonald's um, <laughs> just yeah. eating pretty much anything on the menu that we thought might make us feel better. And yeah. then I spent the rest of my Sunday contemplating my life choices. So that for yes. me was a pretty good <laughs> hangover cure. Yeah, um, that worked out pretty well. So I think I think and I still think about that whenever I contemplate drinking more than I should. So, uh, <laughs> OK, so the next one he's got and I'll just kind of combine these. Um, we've talked a little bit about Ohio State and March Madness. What is what is the problem? You know, where we have this extreme excitement about the women's basketball team. We talk about Kelsey Mitchell, you know, especially last week. Well, I think we do on the website. I think we cover them fairly well. And we talk to. No, no, no. I think. No. Okay. Yeah. No, I know that you cover them, but I just mean when you say extreme excitement, well, it's not taking over anything like sometimes, you know, it's it's in its own little capsule. It's exciting. But in terms of the sports culture at large, it's not. I don't know that anyone. I wouldn't say. Okay, I think excitement maybe wasn't the best word. What I would say is maybe expectations, because when you look at a team and I think I think what Ohio State fans do is they look at a team that is acknowledged to be good and then they extrapolate that to okay we're gonna win a national championship so ryan is kind of asking why has ohio state women's basketball not had better success in march madness uh you know they're not good enough i mean i I just think that's it (laughs) like kelsey's really good yeah but you know i don't know if like do i think kelsey mitchell would have Scored 25 points a game for UConn the last four years? No. You know, like she's no. a really good, she's not. That's just, she's not on that level. She's, you know, she's not, I don't remember the, like Brianna Stewart or whoever, the, you know, I'm sure they got one now at UConn. I don't watch women's basketball, so I don't, you know, I don't know, but I'm assuming that UConn's undefeated. I'm assuming they're number one. I'm assuming they're going to win the national championship again. Uh, I know they were upset last year, but that seems to be kind of like the way it works. Um, and it, the difference between them and everybody else is just a hundred miles. Right. And, you know, Kelsey is a great, great player and a great Buckeye. But like, to me, it's, there's no, it's hard to even say it without coming across like you're being judgmental of it or something, but like, she's not Katie Smith to me. Well, you know, it, like you know, Katie he's Smith, not- I thought like she's going to go to the W like, you Katie Smith was going to be on multiple Olympic teams. You knew that Yeah. Um, the WNBA and all that stuff was just starting, but you knew if there was a professional league that she would be really good at that. Like, I don't know if Kelsey's going to do those things. Like, I don't know if she's a, I don't know anything about the WNBA, but I don't know. Like, is she going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA WNBA draft? I don't know. No, I think, I think the bigger issue for the women's basketball team in general is, is kind of what you mentioned earlier was just people need to understand that the talent disparity between you know, UConn most of the time, and then maybe a couple of other teams occasionally is just so great that, yes, you can be one of the top five teams in the country, but if you're four or five, forget it. Like, sorry, it's not, it's just so probably the, not going to happen for you. Yeah. And Ohio State, and I mean, look, says, they've done some, they've done some really good things, but yeah. they're just, they're not that type of program and they probably won't be. I mean, I think women's basketball kind of needs to to handle that. They need to figure that out a little bit because there's such a talent disparity. So, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's just interesting because I feel like, you know, I've got, I've got a cousin who, who coaches women's basketball in Ohio and does pretty well. And 
you know, I've had a godfather who's in the Ohio Basketball Hall of Fame for basketball. And it just it was something that I, I kind of was around a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of different types of basketball. I was like, why does it just seem like some teams are always great? And I, I would see that in, in basketball in general, like at the high school level. And then I would look at women's college basketball and whatnot. And I think, you know, I think you're right. I think the talent pool, I think they need to encourage more people to get in the game. I think it needs to, they need to focus more on that in, in some high schools because I don't feel that the emphasis is, you know, maybe on women's basketball in a lot of places. It's just, it's an interesting dynamic to me because there's a lot of emphasis put on it and they, they want to make it into a big thing. And it's, it's too predictable, I think, for most fans to really enjoy, which I think is a problem. To bring it back to Ohio State, McGuff needs to make a run with her. Mm-hmm. Like they need to get to a final four. Yeah. They haven't done that yet. They've won the big 10. That's great. Like they, they can't get bounced in the sweet 16. Like no. it's, it's time to go to the final four. Yeah. I would agree with that. So hopefully, hopefully they can, you know, especially with her career, they can kind of end it on a bang and, and get something out of it. But you're right. If they don't show, have something to show for it, I think McGuff maybe that's, that says a lot about him. I think more than, than Kelsey Mitchell. So, yeah. And that's tell you what, that's ask us anything. Those are some good questions this week. I appreciate that. That was great. Yeah. Oh, you learn a little. All yeah. right. Good stuff. Um, next week we'll be doing this and we'll, we'll know what a bracket looks like. So we want to thank George Reese for uh, joining us. He's an all time great guy. Love the Reese uh, and good information out of him. And uh, we'll be back next week with a March Madness bracket to preview, my friend. I'll talk to you then. Yep. See you then.